0: Welcome to University Showcase, I'm Megan Kamrick. The coronavirus pandemic has challenged communities all over New Mexico. Last November, five students at the University of New Mexico began interviewing people about how they and their communities were coping in the pandemic and how they were forced to find their own resilience. The effort was funded by a grant from the American Planning Association, New Mexico Chapter, with additional funding from the New Mexico Resilience Alliance. The written and multimedia accounts have been compiled into a printed and digital booklet, which you can find links to at KUNM.org. We'll hear first from the students and then the faculty member and professional planner who oversaw the project.
1: I'm Aubrey Morales, and I'm an undergraduate student majoring in psychology and criminology.
2: Uh, I'm Fiore Brand aragon and I just graduated from a master's
3: in Latin American studies. And I'm Andrew Gorbetsian, and I'm a graduate student in the anthropology department, specializing in ethnology.
0: I know this is a competitive thing to be involved in this project. What drew you to doing
1: it? I was dealing with this pandemic, as we all were, and it was just really difficult to be connected to campus and to my work and that academic experience that I wanted as a student. And so a friend of mine who's actually a PhD student at NMSU sent the like ad to me and said that he thought I'd be a good fit for the project and it's you know I'm really passionate about advocacy I do a lot of sexual violence victim advocacy in my you know spare time um, since I was in high school and so doing advocacy in the form of research and particularly particularly for all of us experiencing experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic and really wanting to show what resilience is like for New Mexicans was super appealing to me and I thought it was
3: a fantastic opportunity. I'm from New Mexico, originally born and raised, but I had left for a couple of years. And so coming before I came back to UNM to start the program. And so when I saw this opportunity, I just a big part of why I had chosen to come back to UNM was to reconnect with people across New Mexico. And I didn't know what that was going to look like uh, when I started my program and with COVID, it made it, you know, really challenging. But when I saw this opportunity, I just thought it was the perfect opportunity to be able to connect with this place that I call my home, but that I had left for quite a while. And so it was a kind of way to come back home and see how things had changed and see how people had been adapting to the pandemic. So that was what really drew me to this project. Yeah, I think
2: that what drew me to this project was this idea of community-based research. Uh, I've done some of the movies in Central America and Mexico, and this was my first time working a project like that in the US, so I was very excited about it, and I think it was also a good opportunity to learn the other side of like COVID and how people are feeling during COVID because we've been listening to all these bad news all the time, so I wanted to learn a little bit more about resiliency and how people are dealing with, I don't know, how they have different strategies and different support networks to deal with with the consequences of the pandemic in their
0: communities. How did you choose the people you would interview? You interviewed people all over the state and very different kinds of life experiences and roles. How did you decide where you would go and who you would talk to?
3: We had started with identifying kind of 8 focus communities. So we thought it was really important to get a good cross-section of the state in terms of socioeconomics and ethnicity and uh, regional diversity. So we had chosen eight communities from across the state, as we began the outreach process, we kind of just went for casting as wide a net as was absolutely possible. With Zoom and with so many other things going on in people's lives, uh, it was really a challenge to kind of see who was available and willing to share their experience. And so through mass emails, Mia, another member of our team who couldn't join us today, is very, very passionate about reaching out and calling as many different organizations as possible. So we kind of identified if it was education and health and economics and all of these and all these different regions, and then just kind of cold called, sent a bunch of emails and then really tapped into our networks and really just saw who was interested. And it was always interesting to see who was in fact interested because it came from people from all different backgrounds. So I thought it ended up working out really well, uh, just casting a wide net.
0: I was interested in hearing from all of you if there was one person or story that has really stuck with you, Abriana.
1: What immediately comes to mind is I interviewed or I did a focus group with this group of lady artists in Cruces. They call themselves the 10 o'clock club, and they're all a bunch of women, at least in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And prior to the pandemic, they would meet up on a Saturday of the month at 10 a.m. and just do art together, chat, catch up, that kind of thing. And their like little promise throughout the pandemic was to do art for 10 minutes a day. And they have this thing where they were able to continue meeting throughout the pandemic by social distancing masks they would hang out outside and the focus group was actually the first time that any of them had used zoom so that was actually a really interesting experience on my end to watch them experience that you know type of medium for communication and another thing was one of their group members had actually moved to canada at some point during the pandemic or right before and so this was the first time that they had actually communicated with her via voice chat or like video chat throughout the entire pandemic. And so it was a little bit difficult to control the conversation because they're all just so excited to talk to and see each other you know, in this new medium. But it was such a fantastic and lively discussion and it really just showed how much Zoom and these digital platforms can unite us even though we're physically apart from each other.
2: What about you, Fiore? I got like, great experiences mostly interviewing immigrants I did two interviews one with latino immigrants in a community center and another one with asian immigrants so i think both were very touching for me because they showed another perspective what's going on in albuquerque during the pandemic with immigrant families uh with all those things i think at the beginning of the pandemic with all these campaigns against Asian immigrants or stuff, or the lack of resources for certain families that couldn't access federal support or checks to support themselves throughout the pandemic and how they were dealing with that and how they were creating, I don't know, very interesting strategies, such as going out to the Sandia Mountains for the weekend and spend there some time to enjoy activities that they couldn't do in the city or stuff like that. That was really awesome. And that's they stick with me because I'm an immigrant too so it was a great experience.
3: What about you, Andrew? I had spent some time living up in Las Vegas, New Mexico, and we did an interview with somebody from Main Street, Las Vegas up there. It was just really cool to hear that because Las Vegas is a community that's had some challenges that they've gone through before in the past, but how for them, they kind of took this as a All right, like here we go. Uh, We've been through challenging times before. And so we know the importance of that community and being able to get through challenging times. And that interview for me was just really cool because they just went through all the different activities and all the different new programs and initiatives and new businesses that had been starting as a result of like this time that people had all of a sudden to kind of act on long ideas that they've held for a long time. And so I think to just, talk with somebody who finally had a chance to like share with an outside source, all of these different things that they have been working on together. That was a powerful interview to me to just hear drawing on experiences of hard times to confront another challenging time can really lead to some pretty powerful things. And I think that was a really cool moment and a cool story for me to take away.
0: This is University Showcase on KUNM. I'm Megan Kamrick, and I'm speaking with University of New Mexico students Fiore Brand-Aragon, Andrew Gorbetsian, and Abriana Morales about their project, Stories of Resilience New Mexico. Find a link to the report at KUNM.org. I was struck, Fiore, that you wrote about how many people did not see themselves as resilient.
2: Yeah, that was interesting, and that's something that came up also in some interviews people saying that they were just surviving during the pandemic and therefore they didn't feel resilient. But I think something that we discussed all together when analyzing the interviews um, was how people are really being resilient even if they don't feel like it. And I think that was my experience as well because sometimes it was like, I don't know, all these situations were so overwhelming dealing with the pandemic here in New Mexico and I don't know in my case knowing that my family is also going through this in our country or in our state or stuff like that it was too much but even then we woke up every day (laughs) we did our daily routine and we went out to take care of ourselves so I think something fascinating of these interviews is that sometimes it happened that when we were talking to people they realized that they were being resilient even if they didn't feel it before so I think that was something powerful about sharing stories and learning from each other in this process.
0: Andy, you had a section where you wrote that it's important to recognize the systemic structures that forced some people to be more resilient than others.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that, like Fiore mentioned, the the interviews with Asian American Family Center and that interview for me just really underscored those structural factors that went into play and how important these kind of community centers are. For helping people navigate language barriers, helping people navigate all of the anti-Asian kind of animosity that was going around, and how there was all of these different factors that were going in to you know being resilient just to get by, like scrape by, in some of the most basic ways. And I think it was really important to mention that we are called upon to be resilient in radically unequal ways. And even people who are working in grocery stores, we had an interview with a woman whose spouse worked in a grocery store. And we heard about that in the news. But I think just having that conversation with somebody and just seeing how that demanded people to reach even deeper because they were asked as essential workers to do that. So I thought it was really important for us to highlight that, yes, I think we all demonstrated resilience in certain ways, but that this really served as an opportunity to highlight those structural inequalities, and hopefully coming out of the pandemic, we can work to continue to address those inequalities.
0: You had four themes that kind of emerged from the interviews you did. Can you guys talk about that?
3: I can talk about connection. That was kind of the theme that I really uh, focused on, but I just thought it was so cool to see the way that people use Zoom as a platform as a way to survive during the pandemic, but I think it opens up some really cool possibilities going forward in terms of there's so many organizations like New Mexico Main Street organizations across the state, they used to meet in person four times a year, but then once the pandemic happened and they could no longer meet in person, they started meeting weekly on Zoom. And going forward, they're hoping to now continue to meet weekly on Zoom and do those quarterly meetings. And so those new possibilities of connection and really fostering community in a hybrid way, both in person and on Zoom, I think can offer some really powerful opportunities going forward. So that's one, is connection.
1: I did the section called The New Normal, which is kind of a reflection section, thinking about how we could take what we learned from these interviews and these stories going forward. And one thing that I really thought about when I was writing that section was I made it a point to ask every person that I interviewed what they wanted, you know, their great-grandchildren to remember or what they would want them to know about the pandemic, like the one thing. And there was a lot of talk about unity and how important community was. And I think that's something that we all, you know, Andy, Viore, all of us took away from our interviews, but it's kind of like thinking about that going forward. And envisioning this project, we kind of had this idea that the stories and the questions that we asked could be used for policymakers, planners to you know, look at at these experiences during the pandemic, see what structural inequalities were there, what systemic inequalities were there, and maybe directly asking people what could be fixed. There's this philosophy, like a research philosophy that I'm very interested in. Um, It's called Nothing About Us Without Us. And it's based off the British, uh, I think disability rights movement, where legislators were making a bunch of changes without ever consulting the handicapped disabled community. And it was a protest movement, nothing about us without us. And that was something that I thought was so fantastic about this project is we really took that and asked New Mexicans how they were resilient, what things that they thought could be improved and what they wanted to see going forward. And that section about the new normal and what's coming out of this, I think, you know, moving into 2021, moving into post-pandemic life, I'm really excited to see how community unity and all these lessons that we've learned are going to be integrated going forward. How about you Fiori?
0: Yeah, my
2: topic was resilience as a process and I think that's something that came up there was precisely these up and downs of the resiliency process that it's not linear that sometimes we feel that we're going backwards but I think it was awesome to see how people I don't know we're building all of these networks and support structures to improve life uh, post-pandemic And I think that also happened with all these immigrants that I interviewed. Some of them say how there were changes in their programs, how they were able to find more resources, create new uh, pathways, directories with resources for communities. And at the end, uh, and I felt also that on on my own story, like how it is possible not to feel resilient or go back and forth to the same point. I think that one day I feel resilient, the other day I don't feel resilient. But at the end, people were saying how they wake up every day and they survive, and how that makes them feel resilient. So I think that idea of resiliency as a process came up all the time. And it's still going on because we're just, I don't know, the pandemic is still here. We don't have the same level of I don't know, lockdown and all the restrictions that we had before. But I think that feeling is still there. So we have to keep up with the idea of resiliency as a process every day.
0: Yeah, I think that will resonate for a lot of people who might be wondering why they don't feel better if everything's, quote unquote, back to normal. And then there was a fourth theme. What was that?
3: It was isolation. A lot of the stories that we heard were dealing with that initial shock of all of a sudden being cut off from a lot of people. And a lot of people started their stories, obviously, kind of from a place of isolation.
0: If you just tuned in, this is University Showcase on KUNM, and I'm Megan Kamrick. I'm speaking with University of New Mexico students Fiore Bran aragon Andrew Gorvetsian, and Abriana Morales about their project, Stories of Resilience New Mexico. Find a link to the report at KUNM.org. Coming away from this, how does this relate to planning? What do you want policymakers to understand about making communities work for everyone?
1: I actually interviewed I think one of the metropolitan Santa Fe planners. He touched on this idea that planners need to think outside the box and that the pandemic has really forced them to do that and will and should make them continue to do that. And trying to think about community engagement from a like a physically removed perspective. I think Zoom really introduced this kind of idea of people trying to be involved in their communities while being physically distant from one another. And so I think that's just a big thing in terms of policy and also just ideals going forward in terms of what we want things to look like.
0: What about you, Andrew?
3: What I'm afraid of going forward is that we come this new normal and it results in like this new kind of complacency of just like everything's gonna continue as going on as normal. But I think we need to always hold this memory of what it meant to go through a disaster, which the pandemic really has been a natural disaster in a lot of ways. And I think having that vigilance in mind of like, we can't keep affording to sweep things under the rug. So we need to make the investments in infrastructure to make sure that we can filter our air in terms of COVID. But I also think it serves as a larger reminder for challenges that could come from climate change, And from all of these other challenges, we all have a collective memory and a collective trauma in a sense of having gone through a disaster. And we need to make sure for our sake and also for the sake of future generations that we continue to work to build as resilient a state and as resilient a community as possible.
2: What about you, Fiori? Well, I think that to heal from the pandemic, we actually have to think about and work towards communities for everyone. And this came up in many interviews that I did like all these realities of segregation, social and economic inequalities, how some people were struggling because they didn't have cars or they they didn't know how to access information on COVID and stuff like that because of language or cultural barriers and I think that this shows us how important it is for planners, for policy makers to think about all these diverse communities in Albuquerque and in New Mexico and how to build communities for all, we have to work all together and we have to heal some wounds that the pandemic brought up, some inequities.
1: I think something really important, which I think you both touched on, is allocation of resources and accessibility of resources for all cultural age groups, super important. My background is in sexual violence, victim advocacy, and a large part of that is making sure that youth have access to resources to learn about sexual violence prevention and reporting, and also just healing afterwards. And in terms of COVID, we have a lot of these infrastructural things that were reliant on our in-person environment, the way that we were functioning before, like schools, for instance. Um, children going to school, it was maybe a safe haven from an abusive household, a place where they could report to teachers if they needed to, or teachers to notice an abusive situation. And that Zoom environment removes that opportunity for a lot of students. And so there's these questions for planners and policymakers on how do we reach these, reach like a new gap of people that we aren't that we typically have been able to reach but now can't. And if we ever go into any more lockdowns, if another situation like this is to arise, how can we address these gaps? How can we make sure that accessibility and allocation of resources is prioritized? in a way that we never had to think about it before, before we had this you know, Zoom land type situation.
0: To Andrew's point, do you think we'll come out of a pandemic understanding like we need to address these things or will people just say, well, we're done, back to normal?
1: I hope that we address these things, I genuinely do. Um, I think of my colleagues in the advocacy space and I know that they are dedicated to addressing these things. I can only hope that that translates to other fields but I think that just even this project is such a testament to the fact that stories are important and that it's one of the most important things that we have as a culture and a society to listen to our experiences, to look back at them and learn. And so I very, very much hope that our policymakers and planners will be able to look at this document and be able to look at the past year and see that there needs to be some change and that that change will happen. But even if that doesn't happen, I think that this document and this project has shown New Mexicans, at least in some small way, that they do have a voice and that there are people out here that want them to have their voices heard and that they have the power to do that. And I think it is going to be such a beautiful document to look back at in the future and say, look how resilient we were. Like, I'm so proud of us. And that's really how I feel about it.
3: This isn't a project that like ends with the. printing of this document. There needs to continue to be pressure on politicians and planners and all of that. Looking forward is something that's super important and not just looking back on how resilient we were. It's really like looking forward and being, okay, how do we make sure that we use that experience to make sure that we practice resilience in new ways?
0: That was Fiore brand Aragon. Andrew Gorvetsian, and Abriana Morales. They created the project Stories of Resilience New Mexico with their fellow student, Maria Held. Find a link to the report at KUNM.org. The students were under the direction of Dr. Joni Palmer with the research and teaching faculty at UNM and James Fodi professional development officer with the American Planning Association New Mexico chapter. Palmer said the project taught a key component of planning.
4: It was about community engagement. This is a big thing that that planners do. We have to learn how to listen and then take what we've heard and turn it into policy and plans. You know, what is community engagement and how do we go about collecting these stories? It was all very much, as they say, a teachable moment so that these students were learning something and uh, they were also producing something. You know, the biggest part of planning is getting people involved and really hearing their stories.
0: What were some of the biggest takeaways for you that you'd like to bring to the larger planning community that might shift things?
4: Hearing these people's stories, how much they learned about themselves and their communities, and then their willingness to share those stories. And some of those stories were pretty tough, not only what they were hearing from individuals, but also groups. It helped me better grasp what resilience is on the ground rather than in a scholarly paper.
5: We learned from the stories that, you know, resilience is a process, but it's also really messy. And so, you know, I don't think it's a linear process at all. I think what we saw was that a lot of people started out the pandemic feeling scared and anxious and isolated, and then were able to, in some cases, reach out and make new connections. And after kind of going through this tumultuous process and cycle, they merged. Maybe a little more resilient, but as Joni said, they didn't necessarily feel resilient. And then I think there's other people that didn't necessarily make those connections, or maybe they did, and then they went back into a period of isolation and anxiety, and it's ongoing. So you, it's not a state you reach, and then you're, oh, I'm resilient now. Great. And that's maybe another lesson of the pandemic. This was one crazy set of circumstances that we all faced, and there's going to be plenty more things to face down the road, you know, personal things, and then community-wide, you know, issues that will come up and then probably national things and global issues. So this was a good year for us all to have a trial run and hopefully develop resilience and learn how to move forward and face other challenges down the road.
0: How do you think it affected the students?
4: I think it had a profound impact. We had 35 applications for the slots for students, and we interviewed them via Zoom. So then they had to do it in this virtual world of interviewing for a job and then starting a job with people in Zoom land. And so just that piece of it was quite an education for all of us, but also for the students, especially since they will be going on to careers that will involve being virtual to some degree. That's just one piece that I see having a big impact on them. You know how do we do all these
5: things that we're used to doing in person and with people we get to know in person? One thing was just working on an, uh, with an interdisciplinary team, I think was new for most of the students and it was new for me and Joan, I know you worked on a lot of different teams, but I think that experience where you're getting perspectives from people in different disciplines was really valuable. They were more interested in planning then, which is cool. But, I, you know, there was also an anthropologist on the team. And now I'm like, oh, I'm interested in anthropology. So I think there's a lot of fruitful conversations that came out of people coming from different backgrounds.
4: But have a better understanding what planning is. And, you know, most people don't think when they're young, I want to become a planner. And most people stumble on it later in life when they're going for their master's. And so these students really had no idea. And now they have an understanding of one particular realm of practice, a realm of practice that both James and I really are passionate about is that community engagement and listening.
0: What do you anticipate happening moving forward with what you've collected? We're talking about how
4: to get this out to people so people read these stories and also acknowledging and thanking the people who participated. Other chapters of the American Planning Association have heard about this project and want to hear more about how we did it. We're talking about doing a webinar for other chapters and helping them, you know, with the students, you know, walk them through our process.
5: And that might give us some ideas of some next steps. One thing we've talked about as a group, just trying to reach out and hear from people that we weren't able to this last year you know, we were hearing from people that had the energy and time to do an interview and be part of the project. And I think there were so many other folks that, you know, were just overwhelmed, you know, maybe they wanted to share their story, but they didn't feel they could at that time. So I think it would be interesting to, you know, try to reach out to other folks and just maybe get a different perspective especially from people that might not feel resilient at all or may have had a really rough year and they haven't had a positive takeaway from anything in the last year. And doing more outreach to folks who we haven't heard from, maybe doing outreach to other communities in the state or different populations that we didn't hear from, I think that would all be very valuable to do, especially if we you know, were to do it a year from now or something like mm-hmm.
4: that. Well, I, I will add one more thing is this is an amazing group of students. The chemistry worked. They really, really bright, hardworking, pleasant people to work with. When you put together a team, you just you try your hardest. Right. You, you know, we interviewed them and all of that. But it came together because of this team of students. It, that's why it's such a successful project.
5: It was uh, pretty cool to see how they came together and what they were able to accomplish in a really short time. And also, with one was working on her dissertation, or I guess her thesis, but you know, still, <laughs> they were all busy, all working on other things. So just to see um, their d- commitment to the project was pretty cool.
0: That was Dr. Joni Palmer with the research and teaching faculty at UNM, and James Fody professional development officer with the American Planning Association, New Mexico chapter. Find a link to the project Stories of Resilience New Mexico at KUNM.org. That's also where you can find all our episodes. And University Showcase is going on a little hiatus as I step into the news director role at the station, but it won't be forever. Thanks to all my guests today. And thanks to Associate Professor David Bashwinner for our theme music. I'm Megan Kamrick, Thanks for listening to University Showcase.